The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. I'm so sad. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> it, it took me a minute. It actually took me a minute to realise what just happened. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is it's just lacked that intensity. Boom. Right. I think we'll start with the green. we start with the green? We should start with the green this yeah, week. We should start with Dublin this week. We'll be singing Molly Malone by the end of this show. That's how into this we are. Uh, yeah, 115 to 113. Not going to go down as a classic, but in the conditions, it was tight, it was tense, it, the sides were level on 70 minutes, it was kind of everything you wanted in terms of the closeness of the game, and it felt, looking at the reaction of the Dublin players and listening to them afterwards, that this meant a hell of a lot, that despite the six in a row, that they took the criticism that they've received, even just up to a few weeks ago, I think, even after that Roscommon performance, we're still getting it in the neck, that the stick they took over the last couple of years... Uh, they took rather personally, but they got the band back together. Desi Farrell, I think, deserves enormous credit for, you know, Avengers Assembled. Got every bit of expertise they possibly could involved through absolutely everything at this. And they needed it because it was probably, you know, the introduction of Jack McCaffrey, mm. the brilliance of their bench that just got them over the line at the very end. And I think overall, they did deserve to win that game. Their game plan it was, you know, very defensive for large parts, but brilliant on the counter-attack, sort of knew exactly what they were about. Their defence was far stronger than uh, Kerry's throughout the game and then their forwards did enough. They kicked the points when they mattered in the final stages of the game. So, uh, you know, for a lot of these players, like for Cluxton to come back to win a ninth All-Ireland, for Mick Fitzsimons to have what arguably should have been a man of the match display to win his ninth All-Ireland, for James McCarthy to be in the running for Football of the Year as he wins his ninth All-Ireland. Like, this is stuff we're never going to see again. Yeah. Until next year when four more to win their ninth All-Ireland. Uh, will, will they though I, I definitely felt like this was last dance territory for a lot of them speaking to multiple uh, people who are well connected within the Dublin GA community last night there was a sense that uh, this is the end for many of them like so Desi said it's not even the, the I, can't, I, I can't remember the exact quote but it was basically like it's not just the lads who were thinking about retiring here there are loads of people with a lot of miles on the clock who you might not anticipate a lot of medals are thinking of going. Yeah. And I was like, what does that mean? But again, talking to people last night, they were mentioning very unexpected names who have just had enough that like the daily grind of getting up and doing everything that you possibly can all year long to try and win all Ireland. When you've won as many as they have, it's not as alluring anymore. Somebody said to me, somebody said to me last night with a straight face, they won't even win Leinster next year. <laughs> like uh, you are, yeah. this is like they won't win it by they won't win it by five or six points, or well, they won't win it at all. I they won't win it at all. I was like, well, I mean, that would be great. great. <laughs> it would be great, but I think <sighs> does the does the allure ever drop off? I don't know. Like the, Dean Rock seemed to indicate that he was probably done, and you can understand he's not you starting games. He's coming on for the final few minutes. Listen, he's kicking the point that the final point of the game, and it's an important point. Maybe Kerry have a chance to go up uh, if he doesn't kick it. But he kicks it as he always does. But even for James McCarthy, like you're not you're not a bit part player. You're not getting a few minutes here and there. If James McCarthy comes back, James McCarthy starting. All three of those players who won nine, if they come back, are probably starting next year. Like Kieran Kilkenny, Brian Fenton. Yeah, they got a lot of lot of yards there done. But 
now's not the time you step away. Not when you're making and having the types of performances that they're having. Step away for a year, perhaps. Look at what it did for Mannion. Look at what it did for McCaffrey. But I thought I, I think Brian Fenton should be Footballer of the Year again this year. I thought he was exceptional at big moments in the game yesterday. And is, I, it though. is Michael Fitzsimmons not Footballer of the Year? I, there's an argument. I think he should have been man of the match yesterday. I think Clifford is the winning and losing of that game. We all know it beforehand. And I would give Fitzsimmons far more credit uh, maybe than you are there for like the first half. I, I think the, he, the way I think they stopped the ball getting in. He'd, but I still what? think Clifford played badly as well. Mm. And I don't think it was just cause and effect. But I don't the, think it was the smothering pressure. Just I think that like because Clifford missed some fairly open opportunities and was going for goal instead of taking points. That can be down to Fitzsimmons though because he got in his head. I, maybe, maybe. But like, see, the, you saw the video of Fitzsimmons at Castle Oubre game. I, I, I didn't. Uh, I heard they were beating the crap out of each other. Absolutely level. Like Castle Oubre back of him. It, it was very physical, but like it definitely at one stage it looked as though Simon was looking at him going, <laughs> "Is this a scrap? Are, are we are we are we are we going to do this? Yeah, are we yeah, going to yeah. do this today?" <laughs> I, I think there was definitely a, a mental side of it that Fitzsimons they restricted him so much. And Clifford in the first half, every time he got in the ball, and it was rare, did the right thing and was brilliant. Mm. But you go to that last opportunity, like Kerry couldn't have worked that better to level it up for Clifford, and he misses it. But. I, I don't know, I find it very difficult to sit here and be critical of David Clifford in any way. Maybe he took too much on his shoulders. Maybe he has to take too much on his shoulders on that Kerry team. It did feel in that second half at times, particularly was the was it the wide out on the right-hand side that he just hooked Miles up and there was a player made the run through and he had to give it inside and he took the shot on that he's thinking what we're all thinking. Is, we're not going to win this game unless I kick the points to win it. Yeah. Where actually maybe there were opportunities for him to set somebody else up or maybe actually they weren't going to win the game unless he kicked the points to win it. Hindsight's twenty twenty. He looked a bit nervous pre-throwing, like even well, puff, did, puffing the cheeks walking around. He didn't sing the national anthem. I don't is know there a lot of hindsight? Because I was wondering that last night watching the Sunday game. He comes off the bus and there's a big... Yeah, it's the same in the parade. Now, look, the other thing is, David Clifford you know, lost his mother less than three months ago. Yes. He's been through a huge amount of personal turmoil. I'm sure he's thinking back to last year's All-Ireland Final and what an occasion it was for the family, and it's a very different experience from yesterday, and we don't know how that plays on him as well. So I think if there's anybody who deserves a little bit of leeway, and I think you can see from all the analysis, there is quite a bit of it. And that um, contextualises Paulie's performance as well. Like He was brilliant. Paulie well, if Kerry win, Paulie's probably man of the match. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, like three brilliant points but I I think the dubs with the level of like you think back to 2011 so 2011 the first All-Ireland Pat Gilroy's the manager mm. Pat Gilroy's on the sideline yesterday as the water boy Brian Cullen's the captain Brian Cullen's there on the sideline yesterday mm. Kev McManaman scores the goal Kev McManaman's there on the sideline yesterday Stephen Cluxon's in goal. Stephen Cluxon's still playing. James McCarthy's still playing. Like, they've kept this massive level of expertise and everything they've gained over the years, and they're still all there, involved in different ways. And yeah. look, Desi has to take credit for, like, allowing Pat Gilroy back. It may seem like an obvious thing to do, but, you know, you have to be quite humble to go. I don't think it was obvious at all. I think, I think everybody was very surprised that it happened. Like, and, and that he's as... Uh, high profile and involved. You know, it wasn't a quiet thing in the back room at all. Like... Literally in the parade, he's the one giving them their drinks. I, I think Desi gets all the credit here and finally gets out from under the shadow of the previous managers. And again, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if this is the end of Desi Farrell's time as manager of Dublin. Yeah, like, oh, for sure. I was thinking that yesterday as well. Like, you know, why would you go again? I and I and to to the point about um, oh they'll keep going because they all keep going. I I don't know. 
I think there's a good chance that several of them decide to take a, a year break and that Dublin look completely different next year. Because McCarthy didn't sound like somebody who was like gearing up to go after 10, did he? Did he not sound like somebody who, like... No, he, he did. it was definitely a... We'll see over the next few months. Know, but like, I, got the, I, I, I wanted to go out and on All-Ireland, and I have it now, so maybe, maybe I'm done. Look, I think, Jared, there's a, a you know, mixed analysis of your post-All-Ireland final gossip. You know, I think last year you restrained yourself. You'd heard the shame Walsh was going to kill McCudden. You never said it. You had the good goss that time. So yeah. maybe, maybe we need to put a bit more trust, trust, in, trust in what you're hearing. Okay, okay. So my... my uh, Don't give your source away. My informed <laughs> speculation. Uh, do, like, who's, who's going to take the Dublin job? Like, it's, it's obviously very difficult. So it'll have to be somebody... Pat Gilroy. To your point, I don't know. I, 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 was, I suggested that. I was, I was told that's unlikely. Um, but maybe not. You know, you, like, you don't know until you ask. Stephen Cluxton. Well, certainly, if you were going to be setting a backroom team together, you'd be asking a bunch of those people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you'd be, you know, I think Brian Cullen's full-time with the Dubs anyway, right? That's, is that, that's not, that, that is his day job, right? Am I right about that? Um, would Declan Darcy be interested in the job? He might be, you know, and that would be a, a continuity candidate. Would J.O. be involved? You know, like, he's obviously... Mm. The impact that J.O. had on Westmead uh, the longer the season went on seemed to be quite pronounced. McBowen? Maybe, yeah. There's, there's definitely loads of available candidates. It'd be a dub anyway, won't it? Performing at a very high <laughs> level. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if Banty was available, might he be interested? Uh, you're going to put um, your mate in Maliki, are you? Well, I think Maliki might be the man to take them to another another level. Any kind of be stupid not to have him. There's obviously a change at the top at Dublin as well. Uh, John Costello is finishing up, I think, maybe... This was his final mm. uh, week in the gig. So they've generally got their big decisions right over the last yeah. few years. But again, I think you go back to the way they've kept people involved and you just imagine it's not going to be one guy who's just at the helm. They'll, you know, whoever the manager is, Cullen, you'd expect will stay. Kevin McMenamin will stay. Like these performance coaches that they have around the place will make sure that the standards are there. And like Jack McCaffrey could not have been more bullish last night about what's coming next. That's when I got back in that dressing room, I knew within a week we were going to win the All-Ireland. And you know what? We're going to win lots more All-Ireland when I look around that dressing room. Did he say that? Yeah. Okay. Well, so that, well, that would suggest that he's sticking around. It didn't, no, I didn't get sense at all from Jack McCaffrey. This was a one and done. No. I'm just coming back right, to save things. I'm coming back because as Jack McCaffrey is, you know, it's better for my life to be here and I, I like doing this. Well, let's wait and see, right? Because, you know... Uh, he's they're going to have about eight players left the way you were talking. Uh, well, where's Mannion staying? Wishful thinking. I got the sense from Mannion, the same as Jack. From, right, from okay. the, Look, this is from the, the, the interview, obviously, in the hotel last night, but certainly got the the, the sense that Mannion was going to keep going. Um, but then you don't know. Like, these lads, obviously, last night, they're going to give nothing away, but Dean Rock and James McCarthy's language was very much... <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're on the way out we're, here. We're at the, at the gap, like... Yeah. Um, that's certainly the sense you'd get. And obviously after the game, they're all getting photographs, clucks um, on the lads. And well, like, McCarthy could easily go again, uh, to your oh, point. Yeah, he's only 33. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I, I, he's 10. So they're the, the greatest ranked footballers in terms of the number of All-Irelands that they've won ever. Yeah. Mm. Like, as you said, it's history and it's never going to be beaten until unless somebody from their team, their squad, does it. But they're in the GPA box next year and Henry Shefflin's sitting there and going, show me your 10 All-Irelands, lads. Yeah, is that ten sounds nicer. Is that the position does, you want to be in for the rest of your life? Ten's much better. And is there is there a bit now where Kerry, where they've beaten Kerry and Kerry, like they're in Kerry's heads now? Like, is it easier for them to beat Kerry next year, or do Kerry come roaring back 
angry. Like so, the there's not gossip, much between them. The gossip and Kerry is that uh, Mark O'Connor's coming back from Australia. Mm. Um, same. Down in the kingdom last last year or last week, I was hearing the same, and it's not just the Taikinelli one one and done. It's it's back, back for, for good. good. Yeah. Um, so they'll be stronger, fitter, leaner. I thought Kerry were brilliant yesterday. Just a couple of mistakes. Well, can they hold on to Paddy Talley? Like he's been a key cog, and the, again, the, the word I was hearing last week was that in that semi final against Derry, generally speaking, at halftime, Paddy Talley will do a lot of the talking and kind of have the the, the plan and the team talk. And apparently, apparently, of course, I don't know this for a fact. Jack O'Connor pulled rank at halftime of that All Ireland semi final, and um, said, "No, game plans out the window. We're pushing on them," and and, and they went and obviously basically destroyed Derry in that second half. Uh, so it'll be a rare thing for Jack O'Connor to do at imagine half time of a match, but yeah, I think they should hold on to Paddy Tally if they can. I don't think Kerry need to panic. Like when the sides are level on seventy minutes, as it ticks into injury time, who are you who are you who are you tipping to win? Yes, the Dubs. Yeah, the Dubs. yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yesterday in yesterday's game. What? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The greatest team of all time. Who've won? Like oh, I still thought I still thought Clifford was going to step up. You think so? To win the game or to, to win like, the game? Like the sides are level. Yeah, no. Like there's not there's nothing between them at that stage. I thought it was more likely that we we're going to have extra time. Yeah, well, I, def- I definitely yeah. thought they'd find a way that we would uh, we would get extra time and a, and a replay out of this. But there's and look, it's definitely hindsight. In uh, you look at the dubs over the last couple of years, like last year, Sean O'Shea scores the point in the semi final for Kerry to beat them. They're not that far away. The year before, which is a pains me to say, there's an element of freakishness in how Mayo come back. Like they're toying with Mayo for most of that game and they switch off and Mayo take advantage and they come back and they yeah. beat them now there's been a lot of bad stuff in there as well the relegation from Division 1 the general sense of flatness around the place even at large parts of this year but on the big championship games like the unfortunate thing for this group and as much as people have spoken about how great it is for the lads who've won 9 I think it must be very special for the likes of Lee Gannon like Colin Pascal the guys have had to sit there and basically listen for the last few years of not like they were like these lads are nowhere near Pascal might have four or five All-Irelands now mm. he's oh, been in the squad for like loads of those but not seeing enough game mm. time for him to think and not, and not so that like yesterday the second this. half you know steps up scores a couple of brilliant points obviously he's the match winner against Mayo in the quarter final yeah. probably going to be an I, All-Star Yeah, he could have been hiked at half time and nobody would have said okay that was a bad decision but actually his second half ends up being a match winner in some in many respects you know it's, it's his interception isn't it yeah yeah right yeah go like, like Look, 10 sounds good. Cluxton has 17 Leinster titles. Would you not like to get to 20? Yeah, I'm sure he would. Yeah. <laughs> nice round 20. Yeah. Yeah. It was even it was an anti-climax at the end. I don't know what it felt like in the stadium, but because they Dublin go two up, and I'm thinking, oh, Kerry are going to get a chance to push up for a goal here. But then as soon as the six minutes is up, Goff blows the whistle. And it's like, I, I wanted one more. I wanted yeah. Kerry to push you for a goal. You talk about once. the referee, and I was uh, like, the whistle is blown at 75 minutes and four seconds for yeah. a free kick. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. You give the other minute. I Come think. On. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I did. I mean, that would be the only tiny criticism I would have of an otherwise brilliant refereeing performance. Mm. I thought at the game. So, yeah. anywho, let's keep going. Uh, also in the green, it's also going to be a Dublin Kerry ladies football final on Sunday week. Uh, Dublin beat Cork two nineteen to thirteen points, so comfortable enough win. They started quickly. They played with the wind. They built up a big score. Uh, Hannah Tyrrell scored nearly goal. I think it probably should have been ruled out for a square ball. Just kind of played a quick one too and she was back inside the square by the time the ball came back but uh, Dublin were convincing winners. Uh, it's going to be the first time ever Dublin and Kerry have met in the ladies right. football final. Uh, 30 years since Kerry last won the All-Ireland. 
They beat Mayo 116 to 111. Uh, they lost their captain, Shifra O'Shea. She picked up a cruciate injury in training last week. Uh, so obviously going to miss the final as well. But they were keen to point out as to what a big influence she was. And text came in straight away saying, not about me this week. Let's concentrate. Uh, Louisa Marherty, best player in the country right now. 110. 110. <laughs> 110. Uh, so... These are the two teams who were beaten by Meath in the final over the last two years. Meath have obviously had a change, have had a dip. Uh, so it will be, once again, Dublin Kerry. So that is uh, Sunday week in the ladies' football final. Yeah, like Omar Hartig's performance was scandalous. Or sorry, Neil Hartig, I should say. Um, unbelievable. Like, brilliant goal, like just scoring points from all over the place. So I think Kerry... Came up the team to beat, even though like a, a nine point win for the Doves over Cork is, is hardly to be sniffed at in a semi final. Um, Cork obviously have been there, done that over the last number of years, but yeah, it just feels like Kerry are maybe on another level. So that's going to be a cracking final, I think. Uh, in that one, definitely for sure. And not a novel pairing, Dublin and Kerry, yeah. If there'd been a replay, it would have been a Dublin Kerry weekend, the Saturday and Sunday. The, mm. the uh, men's would have been Saturday evening and the women's would have been Sunday afternoon. That would have been a good weekend. Yeah, it would have been pretty nice. Festival of football. We're going to the Amber. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Vera Pau is in the Amber. Hard to believe, um, considering the months of build-up we had to the World Cup, that it's all coming to an end today for the Republic of Ireland. And maybe, uh, and in all likelihood it feels, this is going to be Vera Pau's last game as Republic of Ireland manager. Uh, There was a very tense and tetchy press conference yet again down in Brisbane ahead of the game where... Vera Powell has been asked as to, you know, have you heard anything? Uh, no. Have you heard anything? No. Would you like to hear something? Well, obviously, yes, I would like to hear something from the FAI. Uh, but there's been complete silence from Jonathan Hill. He told all the journalists who were over there, he would talk to them while he was in Australia and have a bit of a briefing. He hasn't said anything and there's been no support at all from the players. There were four players up for media um, on Saturday, Megan Connolly was up yesterday. They all asked the same question, do you want to stay on? And they all sort of came up with the exact same stock answer of, just focusing on the next game, this is the World Cup, this is what we're all about. So it feels that all of the things that have gone on off the pitch have um, come together at a very bad time for Vera Pau and that she doesn't really have the backing of the dressing room and that it probably is going to come to an end, um, which I think if you were to look at it from a purely footballing point of view, it's very hard to make a case that Vera Pau doesn't deserve to stay on. Uh, considering what she has achieved in getting Ireland to the World Cup and I think performing really well in their first two games and arguably getting better in these big games. But it's the other stuff. It is the accusations that have been made against her. I think it's the timing in particular of the accusations in the athletic piece just before the World Cup, like that press conference with Katie McCabe the day before the France game. That felt like a line in the sand. Again, Katie McCabe had an opportunity to back Vera Powell everyone will have seen her really sarcastic response at the end of the press conference. Mm. Thanks for all the questions about the World Cup. Like, this overshadowed Ireland's build-up to the World Cup. Do you think it had an impact in terms of our early exit? No, I, I think Ireland played really well. Like, again, they're playing two of the best teams in the competition, two of the strongest teams, and you can get in, and we will get into the tactical analysis of how she got the best out of Katie McCabe, how she got the best out of Denise O'Sullivan. Mm. But Ireland haven't been that far away from a position of you know where they have been in recent years. She has brought them uh, on uh, massively. But you know, I, I remember being out in Abbottstown the day of the initial accusations and you know Vera Powell couldn't have been stronger, more vehement in her denials of everything that was said. But she was also incredibly strong on that that's not me. That I am not that coach. I'm not this aggressive coach. You know, I am a very soft figure around these players. I'm a very supportive figure. And 
And at that stage, that didn't stack up to... Like, it felt like there was almost having to be two extremes here, where actually, you know, Vera Pau is, uh, and I mean this in the best possible way, she's very Dutch, like, she's very to the point, you know, she's very straight with her answers, and she pushes the players, and, like, Katie McCabe's response then in the press conference before the France game, where it's like, you know, we go at each other, like, we we challenge each other, but we're professional, and we put it behind us, and we get on with our life, and again, that's probably most dressing rooms, but you definitely got the sense from Katie McCabe that day that the players were pissed off that this was coming the night, day before their big send-off, and that Vera Powell had approached the Athletic. Now, I know Vera Powell says that they had come to her with a survey and she had gone back saying, well, why didn't you talk about uh, what players do to coaches instead of the other way around? And then they went and spoke to the players over in Houston again and it all escalated from there. But like this this has felt since then that like this is Katie McCabe's team more than Vera Powell's team and that Katie McCabe is the driving force behind this team. But I think the silence from the FAI... Uh, says it all. And oh, Vera was clearly pissed off the FAI in that press conference yesterday, the day before. Like she was asked, you know, has this had an impact? You know, the um, I guess the weight, the contract weight, and her answer was just yes, and stony yes to Tony O'Donoghue's question. See, She's the problem for the pissed. FAI is the pro- like, so they have backed Vera Powell to the hilt. Mm. You know, they came out that first day and they said, you know, we believe in our manager. So. Why then are they not offering a new contract? If that's the case. Now, they could argue things have changed. The players' attitudes have changed. The players are very frustrated. Maybe there's a sense it's an end of the road. Like Pierre Powell was interesting talking about. The natural cycle is six years for a manager. I think six years is when players and managers get fed up with each other. Mm. Which would bring her on to 2025. Maybe the end of this cycle is now. If there is that real intensity to a management style. And these players have been together a long time now. You know, they've had, since they've qualified, they've had two lengthy training camps. They've had about six weeks together. Since the squad came together for the World Cup, it's a lot of time in each other's company, and maybe there's a natural break. But from a purely footballing point of view, it would make you nervous. I think about what comes next, who comes next, and how Ireland kick on as they, you know, the next game after this is at the Aviva Stadium against Northern Ireland. Mm. Yeah, which is supposed to be like a massive celebration and something close to a full house. So, uh, look, there's a watching brief here, and obviously there's a big game. We should be talking about really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Eleven o'clock kickoff in Brisbane. Um, I, I don't think, and I don't think Vera Powell should be thinking about rotation massively. I think the physical, mental toil of the first two games means it's probably a bit of a natural couple of changes in there. But you know, there's a lot at stake for Nigeria here, and if Ireland were to switch off and think, well, let's just give everybody a game and have a good time, you could end up at the end of a bit of a beating, which would leave a very sour taste again at the end of a World Cup where they've. They've acquitted themselves very, very well. In saying that, you do look at the couple of players who haven't played so far, and you know if you leave the keepers out of it, and unfortunately the life of the subkeeper is, you know maybe you just don't get that chance. But you know Diane Caldwell, ninety-six caps, I think made her debut in two thousand and six, played the night over in Scotland. Surely deserves a bit of a run out at the World Cup. Chloe Mustaki's story is one of the best stories in Irish sport. Deserves a run out of the World Cup. Uh, Kira Grant has been there, came back into the squad, haven't retired. Again, does she deserve a bit of time? Clara Reardon is probably next in line defensively. So those four outfield players, maybe she gets an opportunity to give them some game time. But um, I think as much as is possible and as fit as players are, you go out full strength and you try and get something from this game. Okay, on to the red. Uh, in the red, Jer, um, we're going to go booing the ref. We go booing the ref mm. first. Um, Shane was passionate about this one. Uh, I was um, 
was it like was it loud in the stadium? It was very loud in the stadium. Yeah. It was, it was um, totally, totally noticeable. Yeah. But, but was it? Is it something that normally happens that the referee is? So Larry McCarthy thanked David Goff and his officials. Yeah, and his officials. And David Goff's picture went up at the big screen. And there was a loud boo from the hill. And Goff was laughing. And Ga- Goff was laughing, which then, is the best thing about it. And then Larry McCarthy says, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> like an old school principal. And I think David Goff was able to laugh because even David Goff, I'm sure, knew at that stage. Like, there was no big incident here. Okay, after every game, both sides are going to feel a little bit aggrieved. As I say, maybe there should have been a minute extra at the end. Give Kerry the chance to get that goal that we're, you know, we have well, a Seamus Garvey moment the goal, that we're talking it, about yeah, for the like, next... 100 years, um, and it's one of the greatest moments we've ever seen. Uh, maybe Kerry, you're annoyed about the James McCarthy hit. Like, it was very, very high at real speed. Um, you know, could that have been a red card? Possibly. He'd had Which a few in the first now, Sorry. Half. This is in the second half. Um, uh, who's it on? Is it one of the Kerry halfbacks? Who stays down injured for quite a while. Um, sort of close lines. Or was it Moynihan? When I went off that stage, so he clotheslined him, um, but it was it was probably almost it was too close to the face. Um, in real time, it was one of those in Gaelic football. It's almost always a yellow card when you watch it back on the replay. Maybe it could have been a little bit more. There were probably a few other incidents. The Clifford one that was overturned. Now, when you look at the replay of Clifford and Fitzsimons, where they both get yellow carded, and originally the free kick had been awarded to Kerry. Probably the two of them are at it, and maybe it's good refereeing again that you go, you talk to your umpire, and say, "Is that not, is that not like the the best example of of excellent refereeing where he gets his ego out of the way, admits he made a mistake?" I wouldn't have booked them both. But I, th- I, 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 I would agree. I think you're dead right. Uh, didn't let his ego get in the way, but then probably did almost overcompensate by going. Well, there was a, the two tomorrow, and so I'm going to book the ball to you to show that there was something a bit more going on here. It, it did stop them from doing any of that stuff afterwards. You know? Yeah. Well, and that might have been his thinking of, listen, I'm not going to have the next 15 minutes of you two pulling lumps out of each other. Um, book the two of them, and that will put a stop to it. But but, you, you were asking this morning before the show, like, was it? Did you enjoy? Did, was it a good game? And but for David Goff, it would have been so much worse. I think like, he basically it was like a Kilkenny hurling training session for the first 25 minutes where he swallowed exactly I think we were 11 or 12 minutes in so Clifford scored a free uh, but other than that that was the first free given was an obvious one and it was about 10 minutes in Mm. yeah yeah. and before that there were loads like the fussy referees early in the championship were like oh there's been about 5 fouls in that that you could blow for he's like no let's go and Maybe because the conditions were the way they were, but people were literally taking the ball off each other in a way that generally is like, oh, you can't do that, that's a foul. But actually, I, I thought he was excellent. Um, yeah, well, I was right down pitch side. Um, so much so I'm bringing out a book on uh, Jack O'Connor and Mike Quirk's conversations um, during the entire <laughs> game. Them, I was uh, that. Well, you could hear them in the first half because it was so flat and it was as a nervy sort of tense game. Now, there was nothing overly exciting in uh, what they were um, saying to each other. But you got a real sense of the tackling and the quality of the tackling and the ability to turn the ball over. And again, if it wasn't for the booze at the end, I don't think we'd be talking about David Goff in any way. Like, he did a really yeah. solid job. And there seemed to be a sense, oh, it was the Dubs booing him. Surely the Kerry fans oh, I think still the stuck dub, in the hill. The Dubs were pissed off that um, he gave Clifford... So Clifford has a shot that goes wide and then gets called back for it. Like, the tiniest little... T- on the replay, you can see that he pulled the jersey, that Fitzsimons mm. had pulled the jersey. And um, I don't think he needed to because Clifford was shooting wildly and, and was missing. But then he kicks that point and the dubs are like, oh, that was not for well, that's ridiculous behaviour. What? Yeah. We haven't called it all games. Like, yeah, well, you saw it, though. It, it's a foul. 
Um, so, so I don't know if you're on the hill let us know the sense was that well obviously the Kerry fans got out of there as quickly as they possibly could Yeah. so why would they be booing they wouldn't have been on the hill but actually I think there was still a huge amount of Kerry fans on the hill and surely the dubs aren't booing the referee I don't know maybe everyone just boos the referee if you put the referee in the big After screen the in any game everyone's going to boo him Kenny the dad wants to know can we give an honourable mention to the bizarre lineup of pitch side commentators the BBC had it did seem as if the BBC had like one of those so Dara Breen Paddy Keelty Paul Meskell. Paul Meskell. And, uh, Adrian Dunbar. Adrian Dunbar, yeah, from Plain of Duty. Was Seamus Coleman on with them as well? Yeah, uh, Because he was photographed. Uh, Ashling O'Reilly was talking um, to him before the game, and obviously Seamus is Desi Farrell's first cousin. Mm. Uh, but he was photographed with Patrick Keelty and um, Dunbar. A- Adrian Dunbar outside. I didn't see him pop up. But again, it feeds into that bigger conversation of All-Ireland Final Day, All-Ireland Weekend what it can be, what your coverage should be, yeah, how early the coverage should start, um, like a parade of celebrities. And in fact, everyone you didn't look at any of those four sitting there and go, that's a bit cheesy. Oh, actually, no, this all, here's four guys who are coming along who are going to enjoy the game who all have a little bit to add. Um, yeah, a bit of razzmatazz. There's no harm in it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I think the BBC have one more press box seat than RTE, if I'm, I'm right in saying. Someone told me that last week. Um, oh, so, like, obviously, they're using our press box seats, but... Well, yeah, but yeah, it's funny to see them using them in that way. Like it's, but they were up bizarre, in no, they they were up in their box. Okay, right, right. Yeah. So um, they they have a uh, broadcast box right beside where RTE's broadcast box. There. They took the old Sky broadcast box, I think it is. Um, so they had the four of them sort of squashed in there. That's a good idea. Grow the game. Dion Dublin, the likes of those lads, throw them in. It was live on on BBC Two, was it? Mm. Uh, so Richard Cole's tweeting about it during the week. It was strange because last week the hurling final, as far as I'm aware, was only on BBC Two Northern Ireland. Yeah, uh, where Football. yesterday's match was on uh, BBC Two for everybody in the UK to watch. Mainstream UK, not ready yet for hurling. But Damien, Damien message this morning on YouTube. Got to watch my first All Ireland final shown on BBC Two in England. Great watch. Is that right? Hurling. Oh, the hurling was it. What you, so what no, are you football. asking? No, but the first time it was on yeah, uh, terrestrial TV, in if England. that's still a thing, yeah. in England. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so. step, forward, step forward. Well, just good coverage. A little bit of like, oh, we're thinking about this in a way that other people aren't thinking about it. Oh, oh, oh you can have these people. Well, I mean, is it too much for us? It is. We can't. No, sorry. Sorry. Too busy being boring. <laughs> Three minutes past eight. Is that it? We have one more. Kerry in the red, Jer. Kerry in the red. Um, yeah. You're losing All-Ireland. You end up in the red. It's simple as that. What did they do wrong? I think if you were... It was, it was hard. We could have a good debate, I'd say, about who the man of the match was from a Dublin side. You know, I think, like, Cluxton, 100% from his kickouts. Was it 44% of their scores started with Cluxton? They worked them all the way up to the pitch. Uh, I thought all the way through that team, like, from Fitzsimons is obviously a uh, contender. Um, Brian Fenton... We were probably debating before, and I thought Fenton, at the big moments in the game, was again the one who just... Scored two great points. Did score two great points. Calmed it down. I thought Jack Barry right was thing. great, though. I thought the. I, I, was, your, was your point here? Who in Kerry would you say? Were? This is what, so I think for Kerry, you were looking going, well, Paul Ganey scored the goal, and there was a sense of, geez, we, maybe we thought Ganey was gone, but he actually comes back and he has his big moment and he was very solid. I think Paddy O'Shea was brilliant. Uh, Paddy O'Shea. Paddy <laughs> Clifford was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy O'Shea, things might have been different. Um, Paddy Clifford was brilliant. Um, and aside from that, like they just, I thought the defense was excellent. Like uh, Costello was going to be an all star up until the final, and Tom Sullivan marked him out of the game. Tom Sullivan, had, maybe you would, have, in a different day, have scored a couple of points. Ran out of steam at the end. 
Um, he was gone in the last for those last couple of Dublin scores. He was gone. Sean O'Shea started very, very well. Like his accuracy was good, and then the, the Gavin White moment was the the turning point, wasn't it? Like I thought, Kerry's halfback line struggled. That that's the bit where there was too much space at times for Dublin to kick those points. Like the couple of Fenton points, he just strolled through. Yeah, but that's that's I don't know. The, the halfback line are actually marking, and that's where Paddy Talley's defensive system broke down. Like Dublin were carrying the ball straight to the centre of um, the Kerry defence and no one quite knew what to do although it didn't cost them as much as it might have done with a few goal chances Yeah, they managed to get turnovers so look I actually thought the Kerry defence was excellent and um, they did their bit you know keep Dublin to 115 oh, Dublin are going to score 20, 22 points but they didn't that wasn't that but in the conditions I don't think it was ever uh. ever that type of game I think Dublin defensively uh set up so well they forced them down the wings they forced them down the channels in that first half when Clifford was getting the ball he was getting it miles out on the sideline yeah for the goal it didn't matter because he was still able to create something but then Dublin just burst on the counter I think Con, Con didn't score is that no. right Con didn't score Bad. if you'd said that before the game you'd be like Dub's not winning this game Coslo uh, taken off like I thought the carry defence was excellent but anyway Con hits the crossbar course of that unbelievable mm. shot like. hits the crossbar so somebody was giving out about him taking a mark in the semi-finals um, in one of the bits that we'd done it was like oh I'd say somebody would have had a word with him you go and you next time don't take the mark actually if he'd taken the mark in the first half and just taken his point he might have got into it but he mm. he catches the ball brilliant catch it's on Morley and and the ball spins off the outside of his boot and it's a wide it was like mm. wow and then there's a there was, there was, did he want to clear off the line as well in, early in the first half Paul Ganey had a, so Ganey had the very oh, early like, chance it was actually going wide and the Dubs cleared it off the line OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball